Oh no. It's finally here. The index! Well, there's probably one book that the Index won't be burning. Finding Christ in the Crisis, What the Pandemic Can Teach Us by Father Harrison Eyre and Michael R. Heinlein. The COVID-19 pandemic has greatly affected the life of the church. Because of the suspension of public masses and the disruption of parish life, many feel disconnected from Christ and his church. As Catholics, we are wrestling with the theological and spiritual ramifications of the pandemic and how to discern God's will in this time of crisis. This book is a great book to give to someone who might have fallen away from the church during the time of the pandemic or just a good read during this Advent. Find your copy by searching Finding Christ in the Crisis on Amazon.com. This has been producer Nick from Clerically Speaking, Enjoy this week's episode. So, I have a book. You do. <laughs> you know what? It's about time you mention it. I've been harassing you to mention this for a while. I, I we know. We sell books for all kinds of publishers because we mentioned them on the podcast. I know. But you, Father Harrison, tell us about your book that you wrote. So here's why I've always been hesitant is I hate self-promotion. Get into the grift, man. This is where the money's at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of money in Catholic books. <laughs> just like the money's just raining in, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no. So, okay. So a good friend of mine, Michael Heinlein, uh, him and I, uh, over the summer, we were just thinking, you know, there hasn't really been a lot in terms of response to the pandemic. Like, What's God like helping people to understand what is God doing? What's he saying to us? Um, How is uh, how are we supposed to respond right now? What are some ways our faith can help us through this? There just wasn't a lot. I know we talked about it on the podcast. Right. But I mean, there really wasn't a ton out there. And so we kind of had this idea like, hey, maybe we should like put this together, some articles. And then it kind of morphed into this whole. No, like, let's write a little booklet, like a, a. uh, it's not long. It's, I mean, it's a hundred pages, but it's not like it's big print. It's, it's like a few sentences, a page type of thing. Um, and let's put this book list. Let's and let's pitch it to our Sunday visitor. See if they they're into it. And they were. And so we wrote it over the summer. Like we already wrote it, and then we submitted the manuscript to them in September, and we signed the contract at the end of September. And it's supposed to come out November six. Now there may be a few days delay because. Uh, it's still with the printer, uh, but it should be out. If it's not out today when this podcast drops or the day after, because it usually drops Thursday night, but it should be out on the Friday. And if it's not, it'll be out in the next few days. So, yeah, so this is the book that we wrote. Uh, so he and I co-wrote this together. We're co-authors, um, a little project, the first of three books <laughs> that are coming out for me in the next few years. Yeah. Um, and it's cheap. How cheap is it? It's $2 U.S. Mm-hmm. Per copy for a 15,000 word book, booklet, which is not, which is pretty good. The idea is the idea for this pricing is simple. We, we, we really, there's not much to be made on such a small pro, on a project like this, yeah. but, and we did this as a service to the church. 
so that um, as many people as possible could buy it. So that parishes maybe even be willing to buy it so that they could give it out to their parishioners. And there are like, so there's stuff like even bulk pricing, you can get it even cheaper uh, the more you buy, right? Um, so the idea is you don't just buy maybe one, you buy a few so you can hand them out to friends, to parishioners. Our parish has decided to buy enough for all of our households and to give them out to all of our parishioners. Nice. Because, I mean, also my time has gone into this. So I think the parish deserves something for my work uh, <laughs> sure, from parish sense. time, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and actually I've had like I've I just ordered twelve hundred for my diocese already from mm-hmm. different parishes in my diocese. Um, and so, yeah, that's why we did this. And, and so it's two dollars. You can get it on the physical book is not available on Amazon yet. I'm not sure it's up there, but you can go to osvcatholicbookstore.com. And you can order it on there. If you order $20 worth of the booklets, it'll be for free. It'll be free shipping. So, And if you order it from the OSV site, you also get a free CD of uh, Christian classical music. Uh, so like some really beautiful old, like some really beautiful Christian music. Not like, uh, not praise and worship, but like, you know, good instrumental stuff. So and it's free. You get it for free. So we have copies of that CD going out with people to OSV. So yeah, I'm excited nervous it's weird to have a book out there i feel weird being a published uh, i now can put in my name on amazon and find it uh which is (laughs) kind of cool um but yeah no it's and it's and again it's 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 also just two dollars on kindle it's i think it's about 280 canadian uh for those who are in canada and uh we're sending them out everywhere so like osv's priest magazine they're getting a free copy all the subscribers with it because priests would be a great those are great people to reach out to because they might want to sure, buy yeah. them for their parishes, right? A bishop, every bishop from the states is getting a copy, and we're Ooh. working. We're actually working on getting a copy to every Canadian bishop as well, um, so that you know we could they can help promote it. And yeah. and we actually got a lot of great endorsements, including like Archbishop Kurtz, Bishop Perry, um, um, uh, Lenny De Lorenzo from Notre Dame. Like a lot of people really kind of on board with it. So it's been kind of neat and cool to see so much support for this project. And we're really excited. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you have you you got a you got a preview copy? I am not going to read it until I have the pages in my hands. But did you? Because we know your opinions about uh, digital no. reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, hey, listen, if you listen in this one, because it's a shorter book, if people want the Kindle version, you have my blessing. <laughs> yeah, there we go. You have my blessing. Desperate times. Uh, but did you you did you see uh, the dedication page? I did. <laughs> so I uh, so you sent me the digital thing. I saw I saw it was dedicated to me. At least you're part of it. Um, yeah. Which was super sweet. Um, I I was like. Oh. I got a little a little overclipped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it, honestly, it was really, really cool. Uh, yeah. So I appreciate it. And then yeah. all the sentiments you echoed, I, I echoed them back. And was, yeah, absolutely. Go. Yeah, um, I, I mean, it was partially because, like, actually a lot of my ideas that I spre- expressed in the book came from the podcast, like, right. like working this out and stuff. So I was really uh, super grateful for that. So, yeah, I wanted to – they're like, oh, we, we actually have some room for dedication. Do you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, and that's also weird. It's like, oh, you have to think about these things. Mm-hmm. Um but we still have some news about this booklet for those who listen to Clerically Speaking. Oh, right, right, right. This is good. So, okay. So first, for those of you who have been generously donating for a while, especially those who've been giving to our $10 tier, if you've been giving to the $10 tier or you want to upgrade to the $10 tier, um, you will get a free copy of this booklet mailed to you. 
mm-hmm. from the podcast. Okay. So make sure your addresses and stuff are updated and we'll slowly get those out to you over time. Once, once uh, Riley and Nick get the physical copies. And this is a small thank you to everyone for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and I know what some people are thinking. They're having nightmares, flashbacks, PTSD back to, um, when we promised people stickers. I know. <laughs> and some people didn't get stickers for like nine months. Okay. The well, thing this, is is, why we, this is why we hired Riley. Yes, that was before <laughs> Riley. Yes. Now producer Riley helps with these sort of things. Exactly. So we can uh, promise that, one, if you don't get them soon, it won't be our fault. But two, Riley is much more organized on top of That's things right. than we are. So yeah. let me calm your fears as far as that goes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then just again, we we actually don't push the Patreon every week because it's there. Like we do pay Nick and Riley for their work, which we really appreciate because it's yeah. a massive help. But um, uh, and you know, a bit of equipment stuff we need over time. But remember that every extra bit from our Patreon, Father Anthony and I don't get a penny from it. Nope, we give it away to religious orders. Yeah. So um, so just remember, like you know, if if you're giving and we don't need to use it all. We will give it away to religious orders who do need it and who are doing good work and who need help. So um, we we don't do this for ourselves. We just want to make sure that Riley and Nick get a just wage for the work they're doing and that we can you know afford to pay for the upkeep of this podcast. Right. And we so, may need to get you some new lighting. Might spend some of that Patreon money on new lighting. You are in darkness. I am in light for those who are watching on YouTube now. I actually have a lamp over here now to light me up a bit more. My my room, my rectory, I'm I'm recording for my rectory, and it's just what it is. I don't know. Um, So that's the first thing. The second thing, we do have a little bit of a contest. And so, you know, you can get into it now if you get the, the Kindle version. But one way to help a book get promoted on Amazon is reviews. So I'm asked we're we're putting out a contest. This is open to anybody who listens or any or you can tell your friends. You can tell your enemies too because Jesus says we must love our enemies and therefore help them win prizes. Yes. <laughs> and this is open to anyone Patreon supporters. If you can get the free copy and you can get this. We're going to send out 10 free personally signed and like a little note from me copies of the booklet with some stickers uh, to 10 random winners who put a review on on Amazon. The only thing to help us know that you were trying to participate in the contest is just mention clerically speaking somehow. And it could be a goofy one. The only thing I just ask is don't make it a bad one. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah, I don't pray. get I mean, listen, in trouble. But also, don't lie. So if you really didn't like it, just maybe don't participate in the contest because you, you wouldn't go. want the booklet anyways because, <laughs> like, you know, whatever. So that's the thing. So we're going to do that for people, and we'll, we'll give it a few weeks. Uh, you can, Like I said, you can get the Kindle version now, but – for 10 winners, you'll get a personally signed copy with a little note from me and some stickers uh, to 10 people who leave a review. I'll, if we get more, I'll. if we get less, we'll do less. But if we get more, I'll just randomly pick names. Cool. So, yeah, so that's what's going on with me. So I'm getting ready for some media appearances, obviously. Uh, I got to start following up with people I sent preview copies for to get them to start promoting it through their social media platforms, their podcasts and stuff like this. Well, there's a lot to do. I'm like, holy smokes, this is a it's an involved process. All yeah. the while, I was also finishing the second round of edits on my book that's coming out next year with Pauline, and I was like, and just a ton of stuff going on at the parish, like just a lot. And I'm like, I'm kind of, I've had it up to here. I'm just ready to kind of. I'm going on vacation in ten days, and I can't. Oh, wait. good, 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 good. You need for it. a week, and I, I have only taken a week of holidays this year, so uh, um, I am absolutely getting away for a week. I can't really go anywhere, but I'm going to go to like Victoria for for a few days and just do nothing. So yeah, I'm so that's amazing. what's going. So that's going on with me. So I, I encourage you go to Kindle, 
uh, if you want to, or your other digital readers, you can download there two bucks. I mean, go there right now. Like, no, just just hold on a second before you go for it. Go to Amazon <laughs> or to Google or wherever you get your 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 ebooks. It's two dollars. <laughs> Pull off the side of the road if you're listening yeah. while driving. Be safe. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Beautiful. So, and this will feed your soul. And, and it, I mean, coffee is a good thing, but this feeding the soul is even a better thing. Mm. So feed your soul. Go to Amazon right now. Get the Kindle or go to osvcatholicbookstore.com and order some for yourself, for your friends, for your parish and give them out. And uh, that's the extent of my grift. There you go. Good job. <laughs> I'm not. It's not a grift. Like I said, we're not really, we're not really making a ton off of this. So we're just happy to do this. And I think, from what I've heard from people so far, they've found it really helpful. In, uh, I mean, we've I've already heard back from people who are Protestant, agnostic, who've been reading it mm. and been finding it very helpful for them. Mm. So, so I hope you enjoy it. Good. Welcome. So welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Harrison. <laughs> I'm Father Anthony. All right. So uh, I'm in a tricky situation here yeah. in the United States because we're recording this uh, on Election Day. When the podcast comes out, uh, the election will be over. So right. I'm trying to I'm in a tricky situation. So I'm simply going to say I, for one, welcome our new insect overlords and uh, <laughs> hope they have a long reign and prosper and uh, leave me alone. So uh, that's what I have to say about that whole process. Um, <laughs> also, OK, so just this is just stupid. This is stupid. So I have a super old, uh, not super old. I have an iPhone 6S. I think they're up, to, they're up to like 12 right now. Yeah. And uh, it's so old that even the otter box on it has has broken off, and then and everything was just a mess. So I finally took it out of its old broken otter box. I cleaned it up. I put a new case on it, and it's like boom, new phone. I keep looking at it, like, look, it's basically like I have a new phone. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know the battery still only lasts twelve minutes, but it feels like a new phone. So I was very proud of that project. I will say this: apparently, otter boxes have also changed. In like six years since I got my last one, yeah, really hard to open. That's why I spent the last like as I was I was recording another podcast and getting ready for this one. The entire time I wasn't paying any attention. I was trying to open this freaking freaking otter box. So now that's in there, it's gonna be in there forever. So uh, basically, I got a new phone. There you go. Maybe it's time to upgrade. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <clears throat> I'm still on my family's plan. I don't feel like pushing it, you know, like I don't want to be like, hey, can I get the upgrade or do we did we get an upgrade? I'm just going to whatever happens, whatever happens, happens. Listen, listen, I get I get unlimited free data because mm-hmm. my parents still pay for it. So I'm not going to be like, hey, can I get the new upgrade? Not going to push that. I mean, OK, I'm not trying to. But doesn't your parish cover your phone? No. Really? Uh, no, I don't know if they do or not. I'm also really bad at knowing what kind of perks I get. Oh. Um, like I know like they'll cover my groceries, but sometimes I just pay for them anyway. Sometimes right. I turn it. So like I'm really bad at that like money management stuff as a priest. I should be better. Like I'm bad at keeping receipts for for tax purposes, right? Um, which is why I pay so much in taxes. Uh, yes, priests pay taxes. Um, uh, so I'm just just really bad at that. Huh. Um, huh. Yeah, I, I just yeah, are my parish. Well, they pay up to one hundred dollars a month of my phone plan, which because because phones are super expensive in Canada because there's no competition in our uh. networks. So there's like three networks, but they all just do the same thing. So, um, um, so yeah, it's actually quite expensive up here to get everything. But um, but yeah, no, my parish pays for my cell phone because I mean, like, I'm using it ninety nine percent of the time for 
pair of stuff, and I don't have a landline at directory. Oh, it's interesting because I'm using my 99% of the time to watch wrestling news videos. So, huh? Hmm. There we are. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the Summa then. Yeah. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. We talk about Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. And the funny thing is, I think we've both been not on Twitter much because we actually don't have a ton to choose from. And actually, so I'm gonna, I'm using this as an opportunity. Uh, one of our listeners uh, put out a question to us through yeah. Twitter. So I'm going to – I'm like, hey, do you what? I can't dedicate – I don't think it's worth dedicating a whole episode to like it'd be hard to do a whole half hour presbyteral exhortations on it, right. but it's a good question. It's that good I think question. a lot of people like don't know a lot about. Yeah. He said, would you be willing to talk about, this is from Drew Hep, Hepler, at D.A. Hepler. Would you be willing to talk about the idea of re, quote unquote retired priests? If being a priest is your vocation, then retiring from the priesthood would be equivalent to retiring from parenthood. It changes, but it's not something you can retire from because it's not a job or a career. Shouldn't the priesthood be the same? This is my son's godfather and I were talking about this last night, and I'd love to hear your take. So, yeah, it's a good question because, yeah, it's true. Priests um, priests do retire, but when we say that they retire, it's not that they um, retire from the priesthood. You don't stop. It's not like you hit 70 or 75 or every diocese has their own retirement age, um, and you stop being a priest, right? It's like you're like, oh, 75? Yeah, done with that. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just ripped off my collar. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's it's that they retire from active ministry, right? That the workload that has come with being a priest comes to an end. Most retired priests, though, still say mass every day. To the end, and they they pray obviously, and they just try to have a, a slower life. It's kind of like what Pope Benedict's doing, right? Like you go into a, it could be a time it it. it I, I guess the way I look at it, it ought to be a time for greater prayer and intercession for the church in your later years. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a bit more monastic of a life. You're often in most dioceses, they have retirement houses, not ours, but I know a lot of bigger dioceses have retirement houses for the priests to live in. They do have a pension to live off of usually so that the diocese isn't responsible for it. But here's the interesting thing. It's like uh, a diocese is actually required by canon law to make sure a priest has, has, um, has a place to live and stuff like that when he retires. It's the same thing like when bishops hit 75, they have to put in a resignation letter. They have to retire from actively governing a diocese. So I, in a way, I guess you could say it's retire from the act of governance. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah. I, just one more thing is, is, but at the same time, actually a lot of retired priests, what they do, because they, if they love being priests, they will help out in parishes. They'll do supply work uh, for priests when they want to go on holidays. Um, sometimes they'll even live in a, in, a, in a parish and just kind of take on a little bit of ministry, but um, not take on too much active stuff. Because most priests love their being a priest, and they want to continue to do priest stuff. And so they want to help out that way. But the, the finance meetings, the pastoral council meetings, the parish politics, 
that comes to an end. Mm. And it's right and just that it does at some point in life. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so like in my parish, there's a retired guy who lives in one of our rectories. Yeah. And uh, he'll say one or two of our daily masses, you know, one or two of our public masses. Or if, for example, uh, let's say I get two funerals on a day, which is a very possible thing that can happen. Uh, maybe I ask him to take my daily mass. So mm-hmm. we don't try to ask him too much because we don't want to, you know, uh, impose on him too much. But he always says, you know, yes, that sort of thing. I know another retired priest who still very active and able, and he'll just drive around the diocese doing what you yeah. said, you know, yeah. taking masses for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that will be a thing that happened. Also in my diocese, we have this fun thing called retired with assignment. Um, so... <laughs> Basically, a guy gets to a certain age, he's willing to help out the diocese, so he takes a lesser pay and still gets an assignment. So that's a thing. Retired with assignment for some of our guys. God bless it, because like a lot of our guys uh, still really enjoy doing the whole pastor thing, and they can yeah. still do it. So they'll yeah. be retired with assignment sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and there's also, like, you have to remember, too, like, you, when you get to a certain age— uh, your your health obviously starts to become a bigger issue, and so you need to be away from a parish. You can't like the idea of being a pastor at a later age. Like when you're 80 and being a pastor, it's doable. Some guys can do it, but it's pretty rare because they don't have the energy level, right? The and stuff like that. And so it, it's it all depends it's, on the guy. It all depends on the guy. But it's 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 it's, it's imagine if a bishop was still governing a diocese at like 85, mm-hmm. right? Probably wouldn't be able to do a great job at it at that age, right? It might be tough. So it's important. Everyone deserves some some rest in life from the active stuff. And canon law actually requires retirement ages from active ministry. But Mm -hmm. they're still a priest in good standing. They're they're probably saying mass every day. I remember actually in my diocese. um, Oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting. Oh, um, Monsignor Hanley. He he had Parkinson's. He was like he was like a pillar of this diocese. Did so much good stuff in our diocese. Built things up in a massive way. And he was at one of he wasn't at a retirement home. He was at one of our a care a care home for elderly with conditions in our diocese. But um, a priest would go there to say mass every Sunday, and he would can celebrate. He couldn't he couldn't celebrate on his own, but he would like put his hand out and be shaking. But at the concelebration moments, he just loved being a priest so much. Yeah. And he was a priest to the end. It was a really powerful, beautiful thing to see someone love his priesthood so much, even, even in sickness and retirement, it was really powerful. So, yeah. And I know uh, another retired guy who didn't want to take an assignment, but the diocese said, Hey, can you mentor this new pastor? So that's what right. he does. He helps yeah. out and he helps mentor this new pastor. Because a lot of guys, they're done with like actually doing all of that sort of work, but they are happy and eager to hand on what they know to the new guys. So- and that's actually a really good idea because when you're a pastor, you're just kind of thrown in the deep end. Right. <laughs> as, so as, they become uh, like almost like priest consultants. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So good. there we go. So this tweet is from Jake at Jake of Online. And he says, maybe this is just me, but I think that priests should spend more time preaching about the sins of their parish rather than the sins of the culture. So I like this because this is something that um, if you're a priest and you're uh, online or if you're a priest and you watch the news and you're in touch with some of the stuff that's going on in the world, this is a great temptation to preach about what's out there instead of what's in front of you. And mm-hmm. I am not exempt from this. No priest is exempt from this. Uh, but it's important to remember that homilies aren't just for people out there. Like if you are a mm-hmm. priest at your parish, the homily is for your parish. And we've yep. talked about this before, but 
what's going on in your parish, that's what you need to preach about. And every community is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Like, for, you know, uh, my community uh, up in Newcastle, uh, PA, is a different community than some of my buddies who live closer to the city. There's different cultures. There's different experiences. My parish is going through different things. And so I have to preach to the people in front of me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the uh, parishioners will, will say, like, you should preach about this more. You should preach about that more. And sometimes that's really helpful information. Sometimes people have good insights about that. Uh, but sometimes they just want you to throw the preaching hammer at something out there. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this. I will say this. The wider culture in an area is going to affect the local culture. Mm-hmm. So you have to you know, balance that as well. Uh, but primarily, you have to work on like what is going on right in front of me. So mm-hmm. ideally, the priest knows what's going on in his community and can preach to that. Yeah. Uh, and so it might not mean the priest is touching on the big issues that you see on the news because your area is just different. Yeah. Now, and, and also, you know, with a lot of like stuff that's been going on in America lately, um, it is important to preach about things that are happening culturally because Catholics in your local area are wondering, like, what is going on? How does the church respond to this? So it's not to say that you always ignore that culture, but your local culture comes first in preaching. Yeah, I know exactly. Um, if you want, you see, again, it kind of goes back to something we were talking about last week. If you want to build, if you want to change the larger culture, that needs to start at home. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that means to start with people's hearts. So if you're in a, maybe a wealthy parish, for example, um, you would, I think it would be important to say like, hey, we need to actually not just give money away, but we also need to do concrete action for the poor, right? Um, those are important things that need to happen. Um, maybe we're in a parish where orthodoxy isn't so important, but some other things are. So maybe that's okay. That's where your preaching has to go to gently guide people to the faith into a deeper appreciation of the faith. Right. And just like all other, like there's all, every parish is different and every parish's needs are different. And the whole point of preaching is not to spit. Cause here's the thing we want. We want to hear about the big cultural issues because they don't force us to change our heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Amen. Father camp. Yes. Thank you for speaking the truth to that. Because you didn't make me have to challenge my heart. Mm-hmm. And that's spiritually dangerous. And I would be a horrible pastor if I didn't uh, invite people to challenge their heart more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's vital. and it, But that's only possible. And it takes time. Like I, I'll be honest. Like It's actually one of the hardest things for me preaching right now is how hard it is to get to know my parishioners mm. because of COVID. Oh, um, yeah. it's, like, it's just the normal weekly activities. Like not having the Sunday coffee is a real difficulty because that's like a great place just to get to know people. And I'm being careful. Like I've done a few house visits and stuff like that, but I'm actually trying to be careful. I think it's important I be careful because I have a lot, my parish, the whole island, the whole diocese is very retirement oriented. So a lot of people move there, retire. I want to be very careful about not being a vector to those who are, to those, to anyone right now. Thankfully cases are doing decent on, we're doing quite well on the island, but, um, at the same time, like I want to be careful about that. So I'm being hesitant about taking visit appointments right now. Not because I don't want to, but I'm like, I don't think this is a good idea. Um, so it's hard. And so it's hard to think about what do people need to hear? Yeah. And then listen, there are times where you, you know, quite a way, like, you know, I got a few up in, up my sleeves where I'm like, yeah, this will be a good homily one day for this parish yeah. and, and it'll come and it'll come and it'll be good. Sometimes it's to encourage 
and to uh, uh, edify. Sometimes it's to challenge and to bring repentance. Yeah. And you need both, right? So, but you need to know the hearts of your people. And a good priest, a good pastor will take the time to know that so that he can, because the whole point of the homily is it's a liturgical act through which Jesus is speaking to the people in front of you. He's not speaking to Jesus. Is, it's not like we're on a pulpit to all of North America. Yeah, no. We're on a pulpit in front of the people in front of us, and that's who we need to be speaking to. Yep. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's head over to some uh, presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the best part. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Quite. Yes. I like how my voice just kind of sort of gave out as I said that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we'll see how this goes here. I partially, it's been, I'll be honest, it's been like super crazy busy at the parish. Um, there's a lot to do. I uh, didn't realize how much there is to do here. Um, so there's a lot of catching up to do. A lot of stuff going on the last few weeks. So I'm a little behind. Like I'll, I'll be honest, my brain feels like mush right now. Um, not because of a bad stuff per se, but it's just there's just been a lot to take on. And it's not bad. It's, it's good. It's just, it's just the brain's a little mushy. Uh, so I, I had a priest. Been... Whomst among us does not have a mushy brain Yeah. in November of 2020. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like... Like and so it's been hard to even study and read the last week or so. Yeah. But um, but I want to kind of reflect on my homily from All Saints Day. We're, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a U, and we're gonna just do two weeks in a row of homily preach of homily pres- presbyteral exhortations, uh, because I actually kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah, good. I kind of liked my homily, and I got a ton of good feedback on it. Um, and so it was for the hobby for all saints. And essentially I want to reflect on the question because, or I want to reflect on a question that I think is vital and important to the Christian life. It kind of actually, as I've been pondering this a little bit, in some ways it attaches to one of our earlier episodes on Catholic atheism, right? We wait, this is one of our early ones. Like I actually kind of like referring back to early ones because the, the early ones, we were, that's when we were excited and, and we're young and naive in the podcasting world. And we're just getting all the good stuff out right away. And then it's like, oh, wait, I have to come up with more content. <laughs> right. Um, but it was, it was a good episode around how we, we don't live as Catholics and we actually don't live as if God exists. And I think this question kind of dovetails nicely with that one because it was the, it was the question that kept on confronting me. Now, a little preamble, I, I've been delving into a lot of stuff from Communion and Liberation, which is an ecclesial movement of the church founded by Luigi Giassani, a priest of Italy. Um, and uh, I've gone, I've done school community, like I've been part of that movement in some like unofficial ways over the time. And I really like Giassani's writings, uh, religious sense, is it possible to live this way, the risk of education, like he's written a lot of great stuff on these topics and on the topic of what it means to be human. And um, so my homily definitely came out of that because, well, okay, there's two parts. The first is actually something personal. As I was watching some talks on Giassani and stuff like this, I came across a fact that kind of was a convicting factor for him uh, in seminary. When he was in seminary, they were doing Christology or something like that. 
And he just came with like an overwhelming awareness. The incarnation is real. It's a fact. It's not just, sorry. It's the fact, if you will. It's the fact. Um, It's the thing upon which all of life hinges around. God has taken on our flesh. And it, it became for him the motivation to everything. Suddenly, his whole life became oriented around the person and mission of Jesus. And his priesthood was meant to kind of be around this. And he wanted people to desire God again. And like part of his whole foundation of, of communion and liberation was this idea of we need to speak to human desire today because desire is such an important aspect of faith. And we need to, we need to do, find new methods to speak the gospel to people today so that they can come to the truth of the gospel. But I was really struck by this idea. The incarnation is a fact. And I mean, like it's, and it's not just a fact, it's the fact, right? It's everything. And I found that question confronting me <laughs> in beautiful ways. Not, and it was funny. It's a confrontation, but not, it's not, wasn't antagonistic. It was a confrontation of love to something deeper. Right. And so that question just kept on haunting me and haunting me and haunting me and just hanging over my head. And I just haven't been able to let it go. And then as I started to prepare my homily for all saints, the question was still there, but I approached it differently because I, you know, when we talk about our saints, we talk about the communion of saints. We talk about how good it is to live the life of holiness, why holiness is so important, universal call of holiness, yada, yada, yada. These are all important things, right? Yes, I agree. But in a way, the saint is the person who recognizes the fact of the incarnation, Hmm. right? And so, but the way the question got framed for me and the way I proposed it to my people when I preached on it was that the saint confronts us with this three-word question. Is Christianity real? Is Christianity real? Um, I'll fight you in on that in a second. But, you know, when I'm asking this question, I'm not asking it as a true or false statement. It's not a, it's not an analytics. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a black and white true or false thing because it's not really meant to be a question around whether it's actually it actually is rather it's meant to be an existential question right is my life in accord with the fact of the incarnation has it does it does it take into account the fact that God has taken flesh. It is my life properly responding to this. So when I'm asking, is Christianity real? It really becomes an exam, an ex- existential examination of the heart. Am I living the as if, or not as if, am I living according to the fact that Christ has become flesh, that he died, that he arose again, that he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father? Am I living like the... You know, there's a reason I'm saying is Christianity real rather than is Christianity true? Why do you think I'm, I don't know, I I should shut up for a second. Why do you think, (laughs) because I have more to say, but why do you think I, I, like, what's the difference between reality and truth? Yeah, I think what what you're getting at is, is, I mean, the way of approaching it is, is Jesus a fact or a person? I think it's very easy to slip into this idea that um, 
the life, death, and resurrection was something that was true and happened, mm. but now has no effect on the cosmos or on my life. Right. I think what I mean, it makes sense to my brain that your brain linked this with all soul, all saints. Yeah. Because it's there we see the ultimate destiny of us. Right. Right. Uh, my my fun way I begin every All Souls Day, All Saints Day homily is a rhetorical true or false question. Because we all know there's nothing worse than when a priest asks you a question in the homily and actually expects you to respond. It's always awkward. It's always yeah. a bad idea. Sometimes I'll do it with kids' masses. But other yeah. than that, it's a terrible idea. Okay. Yeah. But here's a true or false question. There are only saints in heaven. False. Okay, not including God. Oh, wait, sorry. Are you saying... True or false? There are only saints in heaven. Um, Well, true. I guess I was thinking of it. I was thinking of it differently, like that there can be saints on earth as well. Okay. Okay. That's the way in I heaven, yes. You Sorry. have to yes, be a yes. saint. Yes. 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 True. true of true. course. Okay. Of course. Sorry. You would get I... the false answer, not from getting something wrong, but getting something too complicated in your brain. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the point, which has now been muddied completely I'm by so Father sorry. Harrison's crazy brain, <laughs> is that there are no sinners in heaven. That's right. Only saints. Well, there, well, there are sin- They are sinners who have become saints. Right, but they're not sinners yes. anymore. Right, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Stop yes, yes. ruining my point. <laughs> <laughs> they're only saints in heaven is the point. I'm uh, sorry. Okay. Uh, sorry. Yes, Jeez. yes. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ultimately, we end up in one of two places, heaven or hell. Yeah. Ultimately, we either accept God or reject him. Mm-hmm. Right? And And yet, we live... As if the only thing that matters is the problems of the day or of the near future. Um, right. An example with all the energy that I'm sure is still being spilled over in American politics. Right. People live as if this earthly order is the only and ultimate order in the universe. Right. Whereas when you remember about all saints and our ultimate destiny, it's like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. If God really died for my sins, if God really became flesh, if I'm really a new creation because of baptism, mm-hmm. that changes everything. Mm-hmm. And even if my life to most people seems rather ordinary, I either have a family or I'm a single person or I'm this mm-hmm. or I'm that, it needs to energize our entire way of being. And that exactly. can't be just a set of facts that we remember. That has to be a present reality now. Yeah. So to, a long way yeah. to answer your question is yeah. that um, the, the economy you're pointing out is, is this something that energizes our life now or just something that we kind of know but don't well, do anything about? Yeah, and it's it's also if, – if the incarnation is true and the resurrection is true, if these are events that have happened in history, it means that God is now encounterable through reality. Yeah. Right? Through – and when I say reality, I'm not, I just mean – I mean like – the, the things in my life that are placed in front of me each and every day, right? Everything I am, my choices to do the dishes, to clean, to tell my spouse I love them, to spend time with my kids, to being a priest, to whatever it might, whatever your thing is. Every moment is an opportunity to acknowledge the reality of Christ. And this is the idea. So the idea, the reason I'm saying reality over truth, and not saying truth isn't important here, but that's why I'm saying it's not, it's an existential question. It's not a, it's not a question of truth and false because 
if it was just about is Christianity true, then it's just like it becomes an abstraction, mm-hmm. right? Jesus is an idea. Like you said, it's an event that happened in the past that has no bearing on me today. And so I accept the truth of it, but I don't. So there's, there is a, this, but there's a disconnect between life and doctrine, mm. right? And we're playing with words a little bit here, yeah. aren't we? Because Absolutely. reality has to be truth, just so in case anyone's got that. Oh, no, here, exactly. Right? That's what I'm saying. Re- right. yeah. Truth isn't – I mean, re- truth is always in accord with reality. But I'm, I'm using reality more in the sense of my reality, not and not what I create it to be, but what I encounter every day, what I open my heart to be every day to find Jesus in it right. and to choose him every day. And so the question, is Christianity real, becomes, as you're kind of saying, the motivating factor of my life. It becomes everything. Because that is the question that helps me judge the situation. Like, I'll give you a small example of this, actually. It actually was on Sunday morning when I was preaching all these homilies. Um, mm-hmm. I'm waking up, and I'm really groggy, which shouldn't have happened on the day the clocks went back. Right. But I was. I was really groggy. I'm kind of stumbling into the kitchen, making my coffee and stuff like that. And sitting down on the couch for a moment, drinking my coffee. And I'm like, I got to pray. And then, you know, the excuses start coming up. I'm too tired. I'm not really into it. I can't really focus yet. Blah, blah, blah. And then I asked myself the question, is Christianity real? And I said, yes. And I said, I have to pray because it's the only reasonable response to the moment. I don't have to pray at all times, but I need to pray now because I need mm-hmm. to do morning prayer. Um, I have to answer with my life and my choices right now. So it becomes the clarifying question to my actions, my desires, my everything this is the whole point of it is is it's meant to say yeah everything i do comes out of this now it doesn't mean at the same time like we shouldn't be standing around every day asking ourselves this question 500 times a day you know it doesn't it doesn't need to be a conscious question but i do think it's a good question through which we can examine our conscience right at the end of the day where i can say that i live the reality of christianity today did my did my actions because I think like sometimes we get so bound up with the ideas of like, am I following God's will? Am I am I doing enough to be a saint? Am I avoiding sin enough? Like all these things we can get so self-doubting about. But if we ask ourselves at the end of the day, it's like, well, yeah, but it, I did the dishes because that's what I had to do. That's what I'm supposed to do in the moment. Well, that's how you become a saint. You've chosen Christ in that moment, right? And so it becomes a almost an intuited question. And as you ask it of yourself, maybe every day at the end of the day as an examination, or maybe in those moments when you're facing uh, deeper temptations, it's a great, it's a great clarifying question. You, it starts to just seep into your soul, right? It starts to seep into your soul. Um, I have another point, but I can tell you want to say something. Yeah. Because it's not <laughs> just, it's not just something that affects our outward actions either. Um Right. It also uh, affects how we see God and ourselves. Um, is Christianity real? Uh, well, if if it is, and if I'm going to live my life in accordance with that truth, then I really have no business not forgiving myself for something I've already brought to confession. Right, right. If Christianity is real, then God is not in competition against me. If yeah. anything, he is emphatically and ridiculously for me. Right. Heaven is not something I have to grasp for and cling to by myself. It is something that God wants to lift me up into. Yeah. Um, uh, if Christianity is real, um, 
then I can't see um, the people around me as enemies in the right. strictest sense. Exactly. Yeah. Because um, I think what it comes down to, it's like, okay, yeah, it, I think there's a temptation. Okay, so doing your examination of conscience and seeing how your actions go, like, that's a difficult thing. But yeah. I think it's easier than accepting that God loves you and is for you and is not right. trying to trip you up and trick you. And his exactly. tests aren't like how we normally think of tests. And his fatherhood is not how we see earthly fatherhood. Like, yeah. uh, to face it super, um, to face the reality of God's love. Um, and just to plug what I preached about as well, um, was the saints simply lives in the truth that God loves mm -hmm. them yeah, and loves everyone around them. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so this is the thing. It's, it, it becomes um, it becomes the acceptance of this fact. Because so like, and I like it because I, the reason I like the question too is it's a question that doesn't just ask truth claims. It's a question that answers the question, uh, the, the claim or the qu claims and questions that come from existing. Right. So it, they touch experience as well. It's not just experience. Right. It's not what is Christ how is Christianity real for me? It's not the self-serving question. It's it is an objective question, but it's an objective question that wants to include my experience that says is, this is something. It's not everything, but it's something that needs to be taken into account. And so but it also and then it also helps clarify that when our feelings and other experiences and thoughts can take over and want us to push the question to the side it says, well, no, actually, like, um, it can, it can be a, a clarifying force to say those things don't matter in this regard right now. So like, it can help you say my feelings in this regard actually don't matter right now because like, I didn't feel like praying when I prayed on that Sunday morning, but I did it because I knew that's what I had to do right out of love. I didn't do it out of duty. I do it out of love because yeah, Christianity is real. And so like, um, it becomes this, the, the motivating question. Now, the thing that happens though, and I think this is important to, to kind of focus in on for a second is my, and the reason I kind of preached it is I find the question is avoided. Mm. Now the question is avoided for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of them is obviously that we don't think of the question. We haven't, it hasn't been proposed before. Okay. Absolutely, 100% happens. Um, but there's a lot of other reasons we avoid the question. If I take it seriously, then Jesus is going to demand something of me I don't want to give up. Absolutely. And I, and I get it to an extent. I'm going to, you know, we buy into the fake idea that I'm going to be less of myself. Right? Um, I'll be less free. Right. Because freedom, as I really believe it to be, is, is to do what you want, when you want, how I want. That's real freedom. And so to submit my life to another is the opposite of freedom. Or that's, that's again, that's a lie we, we sell ourselves on. It, and I'm always reminded yeah. of um, uh, the, the demoniac who, when sees Jesus approaching, have you come here to torment us? Yeah. It's acknowledgement of the reality of God, but not understanding the heart of it. Yeah, exactly. Have you come here to torment us. That's when, like, when the question of holiness is is placed right in front of us. The mm -hmm. enemy is trying to tell you, no, no, no. He's come here to torment you. Yeah, and and as Jesus says in John ten ten, it's one of my favorite quotes. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
right? But I came that they have may have life and have an abundance, and I'll get to that more in a second. But that's the idea. the The evil one wants us to actually kind of submit to the ideas of steel, death, and destruction. That that is that he wants. That's what he wants for us. He wants us. He wants us to be destroyed, annihilated. But God wants us to have life. And so the thing is, though, we give in to the evil one when we refuse to ask the question. And so what it does is it starts to create in us a mindset about what Christianity ought to be. Christianity now has to be a hobby, just an add-on of my life. It's not a way. It's a it's a little thing I do on Sundays and maybe a little thing I do at night when I say my prayers and I do a little nice thing for someone once in a while. Um, uh, but what the problem with that is, is that it because and it, then it creates in us because it because really what's happening is it's creating a self-serving attitude of I don't want to actually give of myself. So actually, I just want this. It creates um, it creates a desire for Christianity that's therapeutic, that is comfortable, that gives me a nice message on Sunday that affirms the choices I've made in my life to not be confronted with the question. The problem with that is that that's not Christianity <laughs> and it never was right? We want something that says it's okay. Like, honestly, if we're really honest with ourselves, I think a lot of first, not any, not everyone, obviously, but a lot of people, it's like, I want to be okay to coast through life. I want to just, it's okay to survive to get, you know, I got to do a few big bucket list items in my life. And, you know, I got the, I got this and I got a nice retirement now and that's all that matters. And that's living, right? Um, I'm not saying that these are bad things to have per se, but when we allow, like I, I said that one of my homies, I said the word that breaks my heart the most as a priest is when I hear people say I am content mm. because you've destroyed desire. Cause this is the thing. The devil wants to destroy our desire for God and this comfort Christianity wants to destroy our desire for God. It wants to undermine it. And so we, we then struggle to see God because we actually haven't desired him in the first place because we haven't been asking us ourselves the question because that question is rooted in love. And so we coast, we coast, we survive. And we, and we just want something that says that I was justified in not taking our risk in my faith. But the question is Christianity real is actually the question that forces that impels us to live. Right. Again, I came that they may have life and have it in abundance. So it's not just a, it's not just that here's a little bit of living, but Jesus actually wants us to, to live fully, to live a hut, like to live completely and not just life, but in an abundant way, because this is the God's, this is God's way of being, but to do it, it means you have to give of yourself. You have to give of yourself. Not And yes, that involves sacrifice because we are fallen beings, but the core of it is to give yourself away. And that, that, is, that is revealed to us on the cross. How is, how is love revealed? It is in a self-giving way through a crucified love. This is the risk of love that God takes on us, and he invites us into this adventure. Life becomes an adventure. It becomes something worth being lived. It becomes something worth being pursued because I am allowing and I'm willing to take the risk of allowing myself to be challenged by that question. And so, yes, it does challenge us. It says you got to give something up sometimes. You do have, but not because it's going to make you less, but because actually you're going to be the person God created you to be, right? But it's also going to inspire us, right? It's going to inflame our desire. 
And that's the key to all of this. The question actually gives a a um, the question is Christianity real? Is the because f- I've been I've been it's a question I've been struggling with for years. I see the death of desire in our world. It's it is so it's so easy to see, and it breaks my heart. I've, I've been like wrestling over why can't even Christians desire anymore. And I'm thinking to myself more and more, this is the question that lights the flame. So that when I take the risk of love, which by the way, God did first in the risk of the cross, God risked death for us because that's the, that's the length love is willing to go for. No love is okay with the status quo, with being content. Show me a marriage where they are content with the level of love they had on the first day as they do on the 50th, 50th year. If that's that's the case, the marriage never survives, right? Because it, it can't survive that long. When, when you coast, you run out of gas, right? When you're treading water, your arms get tired. Coasting eventually kills. It just delays it, right? So we got to make the risk. We got to take this risk of going and, and inflaming our desire so that what happens now is I, the question now starts to put me to see – to stop looking into the ethereal, uh, ethereal like um, – of eternal life, which is an important thing to obviously, that is our ultimate destiny, but it starts to make eternal life the question that I have to confront now in in the reality in front of me, in the choices in front of me, that the fact of Christ, that he has become incarnate, that he is risen, he is really real. And now I can encounter him right here. I can, I can when I'm doing my dishes, when I'm serving the poor, when I'm spending time with my kids, that is my service to Christ. And that's the, that's, and I'm allowing, and that's the living out of this question. My, my, so my whole life is really the answer to the question. And, and that's what we need to allow ourselves to be confronted with so that when we, we start to actually desire more, we actually, and, and, you know, the beautiful thing is it actually helps us to desire the things of the world more, right? Giassani has this beautiful phrase. He has, he had this thing when he talked to students, he goes, if you don't, if you don't desire eternity, I understand you. You have no imagination. But, you know, a lot of people don't have imagination, so that's fine. You don't want eternity. But wouldn't you want to desire a hundredfold today? Like, wouldn't you want to, to, to love your wife a hundredfold? Because that's what Jesus means by the hundredfold. That's what he means by the abundant life. To increase our desire for the things of this world because they are the means to encountering God. And so I desire my kids more. I desire my parishioners more. I desire whatever it is in my life. I desire it more because I see this is the place I encounter God. And I want that more because I see my answer, my actions to this question is the way I become a saint. And I've talked way too long. I'm on a lot. (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm thinking his thoughts in my brain. That there's really, in a sense, there's really no such thing as a well-balanced life. Yeah. Uh, That the idea of a well-balanced life is always in service for the thing you're actually passionate for. Right. So if you are a writer, for you, a well-balanced life is checking all these boxes so that you can put your hearts into your writing. That's how I deal with my meals. That's why I Mm -hmm. do my exercise, so that my mind is fresh and ready to write. Very often when people talk about or this ideal of a well-balanced life, religion becomes a part of the balance. 
So I do my Sunday thing so that I am a good citizen. I'm a member of the community. I assuage some of my guilt. I do that in service of something else. Most of the time, that service is to our own pain. Mm-hmm. That we do all these things so that we can feel less pain. Yeah, I do my job and I make money so I can buy things or enjoy things that numb my pain. Yeah. And so in that way, there's never any kind of living. My 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 balance is just for this self-service that never satisfies. Mm-hmm. Whereas what you're saying and what you just uh, summarized uh, at the end there is that when Christ becomes the motivating factor, when he becomes the goal, it's instead of using these things as as tools so that I can get to the point of just numbing my pain, Christ goes in there and begins to heal the pain. Mm-hmm. And the things that I use are no longer just, um, they're good by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is something like, you know, you, you see this uh, a lot in families where uh, people will say, they'll say God, family, country, or whatever. They'll, they'll mm-hmm. list the things they feel like that's how they should list them. But really, they center their life around their family because if their family life is perfect, that will numb the pain. But in so doing, you've turned your family into a tool and not what they actually are. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. So when your life is ordered around Christ, your family can be your family. Exactly, because it puts them in the right order, right? Like right. it says, like, my family is actually the means to encountering Christ. Right. right. And so really the key to a genuinely well-ordered life is an intense zeal for God. Mm-hmm. That will order everything else. Right. And it will build up your desire for the things of this world. Like it's the idea is it brings creation and, and, and heaven together more. Yeah. Right. Not, not fully. This world is a fallen world subject to sin and death. Absolutely. Okay. But it, this is part of the beginning of the kingdom. Right. That's, I mean, when we're talking about new heavens and a new earth and we're talking about the reincarnation, I mean, not the reincarnation, oopsie, um, the resurrection, thank you very much. You're not the only one with a mushy brain today. The resurrection <laughs> is that yeah. of created things and eternity coming together in yeah. the resurrected body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where's death no longer, this is the whole point. And so it begins in seed form in the church, and the church now becomes the place where the kingdom starts to take fruition. The church really is meant to be the place where the world is most fully itself. Um in its redeemed form. And so, you know, when we, when we take all this together, this question then, is Christianity real? It, beca- it becomes very clear. This is the most reasonable question to ask in life. This is the highest use of our reason when we ask this question. Because it is the question around which everything hinges. Because if your answer is no then you can live a life of total narcissism, nihilism, um, hedonism, all the isms, right? Because nothing matters. Because this question is the question of meaning and purpose of what am I created for? But if the question is, is Christianity real? And your answer is yes. It's not just a verbal or a propositional answer with our mind. It's an answer of life of how I live as well. It's, it's, the whole, it's an answer. In other words, this is the answer of the whole person. Right. I am giving my whole self to this 
but it's always going to be through the things of creation. So like this kind of actually attaches to way back in the day of like the modernism episode, right? Because modernism is denial of mediation. Christianity says, no, no, God works through things. This is the principal way you can encounter him. And we keep on avoiding these things because we don't want to actually enter into self-sacrificing love, self-giving love. But that is the only way your desire is actually going to be increased. And so it begins to become real. Like this is the most reasonable question because this is the question around which all of existence revolves. And this is what I need to give myself to. And so it, it should inspire us and impel us to say, I am ready to take the question seriously. I'm ready to examine my life according to this question. Because that's when the adventure of life begins. That's when we stop coasting. It's when we stop with it's when we, you know, it's when we hit an um um that's when we just start to actually, you know, I, we really do start to thrive. Not in the sense of like we live an abundant life in terms of pro, like material prosperity, but we're thriving in the life of the spirit. But here's the thing. To, if you avoid the question, if you put it to the side, if you continue to push it away, you're avoiding the thing, the very thing that brings eternal life. And so you're, you, we, it becomes the way to reject God eternally. And so this is the thing we need to take seriously today. We need to ask over and over again, is Christianity real? Yay. There we go. There we go. So there we go. So that was kind of the sort of the homily. Um, actually, if you do want to see the homily, St. Peter's and Nimo has a YouTube channel now. So you can go uh, check us out there. And uh, my homilies we post it every day now. So um it's there from all saints day it's the first video of, on the feed there but uh yeah i do i just think it's a it's a question that keeps on nagging me so it's like it's been a personal thing but it's also been like a, a deeper spiritual realization of how i live my life that god is challenging me to something more and i think it's the question that needs to that can really challenge all of us in a beautiful way because it challenges us into love yeah cool well, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, please, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere you can find your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube as well at Clarity Speaking. Uh, please leave a review on those podcasting apps. Uh, make it five stars. Say something nice. We, that helps other people find the podcast when they're searching for stuff. Um, please tell your friends about the podcast and tell your enemies too, because Jesus says you must love. We must love our enemies. You can find me on Twitter at fr Harrison. You can find me um, praising our new uh, insect overlords in the United States. <laughs> you can find us, uh, the podcast, on Twitter at ClericalPod. You can email us, uh, clericalspeaking at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, YouTube. We're, all, we're on all the places. Uh, so go check us out, and we will see you all next week. God bless. Peace. <laughs>